Paul, uh, there's some shock events in the US this week. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger is going to sign for Chicago Fire. <laughs> and, I, uh, I thought he'd be going to LA Galaxy myself, you know. I haven't played for FC Hollywood before that. Los Angeles City, or whatever they're called, the new Los Angeles team, are trying to buy Wayne Rooney as well. Please. Please do, yeah. There's a few expansion teams coming up. Obviously, Los Angeles City, there's a new San Francisco team coming up. Uh, and obviously, Miami, if Beckham ever gets his stadium wish and all of that. Uh, anyway, that's, that's... They should enjoy it while they've still got a civilization. <laughs> yes, they have, yeah. Uh, will you be uh, building any walls this week, Paul? Uh, no, only... Um, building. I'm, I'm building bridges, not walls, Ed. Oh, very good. Uh, I, I believe you spent most of the week packing up mugs and sending it out to people. <laughs> yeah, a lot of uh, mugs have dispatched their way around uh, the UK and Ireland and a few international, um, a load more international will be going out next month. Um, yeah, it was it was a, a, a mug distribution factory at my house. Um, people have started getting them though and that's so exciting to see pictures of uh, rank cast mugs in the wild. First time we've ever done any merch stuff and, and people are into it, which is lovely. Uh, there's Latan prints have arrived as well, so I'll be um, firing those out to where they've got to go as soon as I get the uh, stuff to send them in through the post from Amazon. I'm getting some Very cool. packing tubes. This is my life. This is this is my life at the moment. So um, uh, in it's international week, so we haven't got any matches to look back on. Uh, England played Scotland and won handsomely. Did you see any of that? Yeah, I did. Actually, I watched the game. Yeah, okay. Uh, they played all right, um, and uh, Gareth Southgate is going to get the England job. Which is kind of weird. I mean, look, people who are clearly not qualified and might be a tad incompetent getting jobs of international significance is just all the rage, isn't it? So, you know, um, the uh, the one bit of international football I've seen, I've seen a vine of Pogba's goal for France and a vine of Memphis Depay's two goals for Netherlands. Yeah, uh, first time he'd scored in, what, eight or nine months, Memphis. Uh, so Pogba is clearly, you know, upping the gears, isn't he, uh, in terms of his form. And uh, maybe that will do Memphis some good. Memphis, who's been in the news this week uh, with a possible move to Everton. Yeah, apparently they tweeted out that goal as if he was kind of already an Everton player, which is, I don't know, that seems like, that seems weird. Yeah, it does. Uh, Ronald Koeman's been talking about it. I mean, they, they must, something must be happening, right? They, I mean, you know, no, I have no inside track on this one, but uh, this uh, you rarely get managers talking in this way unless uh, they're confident about something, something happening. Memphis wouldn't uh, confirm or deny whether he was about to leave or not. And and frankly, at this stage, it's it's definitely of benefit to the player to move on. I guess of benefit to United. I mean, if it's a, if it's a sale, it's going to be a huge loss on the fee originally paid. If it's a loan, well, you know, what's there to lose? Everton are above us in the league. Should we really be loaning them players? Uh, yeah, but, you know, we're United. <laughs> what? That's, that's, that, that is clearly not holding a lot of water in the world at the moment. The fact that we're Man United doesn't seem to magically be working anymore. Um, so, I, I mean, it's got to be a sale, hasn't it? You don't you don't loan players to teams who... I'm right, aren't I? They're, they're, it goes us, Everton, Tottenham. Is that right? Or are they? But have I made that up altogether? Uh, I, I don't know off the top of the head. All right, hold on. I'm looking this up because I um, it just occurs to me that I'm not sure they are above us in the lead. And that, that does change it slightly. But it would seem weird to... You know, the, the sad reality um, of the situation is that they are kind of a contender for some of the same spots we're a contender for. And like, okay, maybe you could just say, well, Memphis is terrible, so it doesn't matter. But if he does go there and find form and kind of does well for them, that's, that's not good for us, is it? Yeah, but look, big picture here. It's, it's not good for us. And there have been players that have left United and done well enough, right? I don't think there's too many who've gone on to be um, complete worldies. And United have made a massive ricket. Well, apart from Paul Pogba, of I, course. I, I wouldn't have any objection to us selling them Memphis Depay at all. I think that makes complete sense. It's just the concept of a loan team to the team that is, I've just looked it up, they are one goal difference worse off than us in the league. Um, that would seem a very strange move indeed if it's a loan. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, in other international football news, USA beat Mexico. A pro-pro of nothing. 
Or, or quite a lot, in fact. Yes, they don't normally, do they? That's... Uh, no, they'd lost 2-0 four times in a row in Columbus, in one of those weird stats that dates back 25 years. As we speak, England are playing Spain, and uh, Juan Mata is in the side, and Ander Herrera is not, although everyone's presuming uh, that he will get his Spain debut, and it will be well-deserved. Yeah, really interesting interview with uh, Sid Lowe, who pointed out, well, Sid Lowe interviewed Ander Herrera, and he pointed out how much Herrera likes to talk, and uh, that's a well-earned reputation but he doesn't only like to talk he's really good at it he's very articulate about football and I remember in uh, May of last year he in March of last year he gave an interview about the differences between Van Gaal and Bielsa and it was really instructive and interesting not so much in his analysis of the differences because they're pretty obvious but just just having had first-hand experience with both of them, the kind of passion which he talks about Bielsa football, and the kind of the kind of understanding with which he talked about Van Gaal's about what Van Gaal wanted, it, it made it even more baffling that he wasn't he didn't ever end up really being a complete go-to guy. The fact that he made fewer starts for Van Gaal in this in his second season and his first season is baffling. But then he talked about how. He's actually in the Spain squad because of his new role under Mourinho. And so he he obviously owes Mourinho quite a debt because it's his reimagining as a number six that's got him the international call-up. It has Spain starting with Busquets and Thiago in those uh, sort of deeper-lying midfield roles. Two of their seven midfielders on show tonight, as as it is with Spain. But he's got a chance, hasn't he? Um, Because Busquets is uh, getting older. Um, There aren't actually loads of outstanding defensive midfielders in the Spain squad. There are loads of outstanding attacking midfielders still. Um, and, uh, you know, he's maybe he won't become a mainstay of the Spanish side, but he's, he's definitely earned his right to be in the squad. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Thiago picks up a lot of injuries, obviously. So there's a route into the team there. He talked about Mourinho um, and his reputation as a defensive-minded coach, and he sort of said... That the, the football United are playing sort of proves that that is a, a kind of a myth um, and that they've only actually played defensively a couple of times, which I think is is very fair. And even in those games where they were kind of predominantly defensive, it wasn't like they weren't interested in attacking. It's again, absolutely fair. There's There's not been an authentic bus parking performance for Mourinho no. yet. Which brings us on to United's game at the weekend against Arsenal and... Because this is a big test, isn't it? Uh, Arsenal in in pretty good form, although Arsenal being Arsenal, they're inconsistent. And um, uh, coming to Old Trafford, uh, what kind of style of football will United play? Is it on the front foot or is it a little bit more like uh, the team that played Liverpool recently? You know, similar kind of dynamic of Liverpool being in good form. Arsenal in good form, you'd say probably in better form than United. Where does Mourinho go with this one? Well, I mean, the the key difference, I guess, with the Liverpool game is just the home and away factor, isn't it? Because United have played so well at Old Trafford. The only game they've played badly at Old Trafford, really, well, Zorio Luhansk doesn't really count, but the only game they were actually bad at Old Trafford was Man City. Um, so th- the fact that it's at home, you would think, given how they've been playing, would put them on the front foot. But there's a, there's a few caveats to that. Firstly... I mean, I have to say, the one thing that I think is he's probably going to use the Ferguson template against Arsenal, isn't he? Well, he's probably bleed them gonna, up. Yeah, sit back, soak up some pressure, uh, be aggressive in, in the challenge, etc. Just route one how you beat Arsenal. Press, 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 right? Yeah, um, I, think that, I think that's fair enough. Um, this is, is not quite the same Arsenal of old, although they still don't have a... Uh, you know, a hard man in the centre of midfield there, do they? I mean, it's not as if Shaka is really that. Um, so there's there's definitely an opportunity to uh, not route one, but um, uh, the high press, albeit they've got speedy players, which, you know, is quite risky when you do a high press, um, and, and be physical and uh, be competitive and all of that, sure. Um, completely. I, th- I think the bigger question is how much on the front foot are United? How much possession... Uh, do United uh, gain or deliberately lose? 
um, in order to to play a game on the break. Because the really interesting thing, of course, is that uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is suspended, so uh, a change up front, and Wayne Rooney, it seems, is injured. Um, and if that's the case, then we're going to get someone different at centre forward. Is it Martial? Is it Rashford? Or is it a surprise? Uh, I would guess, assuming that Rooney's injury is significant, because actually my working assumption all along has been that Rooney will end up starting. Disappointing, maybe, but I think that's what I would have expected to happen. So the fact that he's injured means we will we will, we'll have to see something different. My guess, my instinct would say Rashford, for sure, because he's played Rashford as a centre-forward. He's not played Martial there at all. Martial's form has been kind of very publicly chastised, dropped from the French team. You know, I thought he was coming back into a bit of form against Fenerbahce, but no one else seems to have thought that, really. So maybe it was just rose-tinted spectacles on my part. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's it's Rashford centre-forward, no? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's described as a minor injury. So uh, we'll see whether it's actually a, a one that will keep him out of Arsenal or whether he'll play. And I think you're right. Um, if if it's only a minor injury and it's precautionary, leaving him out of a friendly, I, I suspect that Jose will, will go with the safe option or safe option. The, uh, you know, the obvious option and play Rooney up front. We're, yeah, obvious from his point of view. Uh, it's not as if we've got too many good performances in the last three or four years with Rooney up front, but you know, it's probably the most likely scenario. Um, it would be really interesting, though, to to say uh, no. Actually, the one that's going to hurt Arsenal um, most, uh, given their centre back combination, is to play some real pace up front and stretch the game. But that's really if United decide to play on the break. Yeah, but even if they don't decide to play on the break, I mean, it's self-evident that it's a better option to play Rashford than Rooney, isn't it? Given the perform- the relative performances. I mean, maybe you could say, OK, Rooney's hit a little bit of something approaching form lately. A couple of assists in the Swansea game. Got that lovely goal in the... Um, away in Fenerbahce, so maybe there's something, but he was pretty bad. I mean, really terrible in that Fenerbahce game and not a great deal better against Swansea, a little better. Certainly not... not yeah. the. I mean, actually, it's a huge shame that Ibrahimovic isn't playing, I think, because I think... I think those goals against Swansea would have been massive. Um, it's a real, real bad timing that they came just before an international break and a break for suspension. I feel like we really wanted to get that Ibrahimovic train rolling again, really. Um, I agree, agree, and um, and whatever momentum he picked up against Swansea has been lost. The silver lining in it is that he's going to get the break that he probably deserved before now, because uh, he's played a lot of minutes. So we'll see. Um, Rooney, yeah, I, I, I saw some people describing his performance against Swansea uh, as a man of the match performance. God, how far standards have fallen if if that was a man of the match performance from a player that you pay £300,000 a week to. But, you know, hey, don't want to bang on about that one, do I? Um, <laughs> History would tell that you actually definitely do want to bang, up, bang on about that one, Ed. Yeah, well, we described his performance against Swansea as all right. Yeah. Actually, I listened <laughs> yeah. back to it. He said it was all right, Yeah, uh, which it right. was. And yeah. Someone uh, on the website described it as bashing him. A little <laughs> odd. Um, you know, we we can't win on this subject, but we have indeed made a rod for our own backs, I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, some people hear what they want to hear. Uh, they do. See American election result. Um, the uh, Should we talk a bit about Arsenal? Because Arsenal are a team that I find sort of endlessly fascinating in a variety of different ways. The, the sort of bizarre... The, the eras of Arsene Wenger, you know, the, the kind of the ebb and flow of Wenger and the kind of, I don't know, this consistent repetition of having the same season over and over and over again. <coughs> and, and the sense that they somehow they finished second last season, even though it was an absolutely appalling season for them, really. Um, so, yeah, every season they seem to get knocked out of the Champions League by Bayern Munich or Barcelona. Every season they come fourth, except when Tottenham finish third, so they have to finish second to finish above them in the league because of some strange quirk of fate. The the North London derby, where, where it looked like Arsenal, Arsenal were really dominant for a long swathes of that game, but they weren't able to convert that dominance into a win. And, and actually Tottenham had a lot of good chances by the end. 
the signings that they've made this summer have kind of deepened the squad, but have they massively improved the first team in the way that was needed? I don't know. I haven't seen enough of Mustafi, for example, to, to say whether that's the case. But, you know, he's, so he's playing Sanchez up front a lot, isn't he? Um, with, like, Ozil, Walcott, Iwobi. That's, that was how they lined up in the North London derby. Um it's interesting that that he's kind of gone that way and Giroud seems to be like a a rotation option or an option off the bench now. Mm. Yeah, well, um, I mean, and Sanchez is delivering the goals, so fair enough. Uh, And it it gives them more dynamic front line. Mustafi's a good player. You know, I think he's a a decent player. Um, He's got a good all-round game, not terribly quick, uh, but not super slow either. And I think he's been a good addition um, to a back line that's been pretty pretty weak over the last three or four years, hasn't it? So um, that's you know it's part of the reason why they they look reasonably solid at the back up front. They're still they're definitely dangerous. I mean, uh, a sort of flexible front, um, you know, four or five of of Sanchez and and Walcott and Ozil who's scoring goals. You know, it's um, it's definitely dangerous. Uh, Ozil, of course, who scored that. Um, outrageous goal against Ludogorets in the uh, in the Champions League recently. So they're, they're definitely a team that could cause United a lot of problems defensively. And it's not as if United have been rock solid at the back recently or even fit. Yeah, what is our back four even going to look like? So Chris Smalling, who uh, was hammered for uh, not playing, even though he's in a little bit of pain. Oh, has Chris Smalling got a little bad toe? Turns out it's broken. Turns out his toe is actually broken. So a bit of egg on Mourinho's face there, you would imagine. Some people pay, play through the pain barrier, don't they? Uh, of a broken toe. Not not too smart to play with a broken toe, I would imagine. Worse. <laughs> uh, Luke Shaw, I don't know. We've no idea, do we? So I guess Blind will be back. Played for the Netherlands. And then Damian will play, I'm sure. I don't actually know if he played for Italy or not. Valencia is still injured, isn't he? I think. Yep, he is. He's going to be out for a while with a broken arm. Yeah. Right. Is, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we we might see Blint Rojo, <laughs> Shaw, Damian. Got the bad shivers. Uh, I suppose, or, or or it it might be even worse. We might see Blint Rojo, Damian Young at the back, or um, Blint because Shaw's not fit. So you've got Shaw at left back, and then Carrick and Rocco in the centre of defence. Could we play an all left back, back four? <laughs> Blinchaw, Rocco, no, you can't. I mean, Damian can play left back, so kind of, sort of stretching it a bit. Also, actually, kind of shivering when you mentioned Marcus Rocco, and, and I'm almost reluctant to say this because I don't really believe in jinxes, but this feels like a, we're on shaky ground here. But Marcus Rocco's been quite good at centre back. Since he came into the came and played in that position, and and in his first season at United, he was quite good a few times at centre back. Very good uh, in the game against West Ham when Paddy McNair made his debut, and Rocco kind of talked him through that game. Um, but yeah, so he has had some good games at centre back. Um, so maybe it's not a total disaster, but you, you don't really like the idea of him being thoroughly tested by people that will try and get under his skin. And the, it feels like the chance of Rocco fouling Sanchez for a penalty are pretty high. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I have to say I'm not feeling terribly confident about United's back four, um, which could go two ways, couldn't it? Uh, Mourinho probably would be feeling the same way if he's having to patch together a back four. And clearly he doesn't feel like he can trust Sure and Smalling, um, so he's probably going to have to patch together a back four, and, and it might mean that he wants to put a bit more security in front of the back four as a result. Uh, and we, you know, which is would be a typical Mourinho reaction. Uh, the other way of thinking about it is United have to score one more than them to win the game, and we really need to win the game. Uh, I mean, th- that is absolutely the case, isn't it? I mean, not only do we just need to win because we, we're a few points behind the pace. But the, the prospect of taking points off the teams above us is this is basic maths, isn't it? It's it's a it's an opportunity cost if we miss this one. If they win this, that's three points. That you know, it's a swing, isn't it? Um, and and it would be it would be a big win if we won this game. A very big win. I mean, almost necessity really to win in order to keep in touch with the uh, Premier League's top teams at the moment. I mean, getting to the point where. 
Um, a loss at this stage, mid-November. Um, uh, there's a couple more before into December and the Christmas programme. Uh, it may well be that any thoughts of making a challenge for the title have already gone, you know? And and Mourinho talked after the, the Swansea game about um, sort of cultural issues within the squad. And I think he's sort of talking about mental weakness and application and stuff like that. And he called out Smalling and Shaw uh, as a result of that. And, and you know, he's he's not wrong, is he? Uh, if you look at the past sort of three years, and I know there's been a lot of personnel change, but not too many leaders appear to have come forward during a difficult period for United and the head drops a lot um, when things are going wrong. And that's a kind of confidence, ingrained confidence thing. So um, too many points behind. Uh, you do kind of wonder what might happen to the United squad um, in the coming weeks. Conversely, victory to follow up Swansea is exactly desperately what the, the squad needs at the moment in order to just generate some momentum. I feel like you could probably make quite a lot of money betting on Man United to win games where they go ahead and betting them on betting on them to lose games where they go behind. You know, <laughs> if you did that, like as soon as they concede a goal, they're probably going to lose. And and I just remember the last time we... Well, I don't even know if it was the last time we played Arsenal, but that 3-0 last season where it just immediately... It was very much like the Chelsea game the other week. It just immediately, as soon as the goal started going in, you just felt that kind of collective collapse. They, they, it's like they're ready... When they're, when they're up and running and firing, they remember who they are, they remember their abilities, but there's that collective weight of pressure that I think I talked about a couple of weeks ago, that as soon as things start to go wrong, they start to crumble. And, you know, um, Phil McNulty of, the, of BBC Sport wrote an article um, saying it seemed like it was probably pretty well sourced, saying that Mourinho is basically doing a kind of root and branch look at United. Everything, the sports science departments, the medical departments, the scouting departments, the makeup of the first team squad um and if he's doing that then he's gonna it's not gonna be easy to do that while maintaining any kind of consistency because those kind of big changes inevitably shake things up and I really hope first of all that he knows what he's doing and that he's rebuilding them in a solid image that's workable in the long term and secondly if that's what he's doing people give him enough time to do it because that those kind of changes don't happen overnight and while they're going on things get rocky yeah also feels a bit antiquated United system when we're talking about uh, changing things from the academy to scouting, analytics and and uh, uh, medical and everything, right? There's nobody at United that's in charge of all of that. Nobody. There, there is no, I know it's a dirty word in England, director of football. There is no gen- general manager. Um, and it means there's a lot of responsibility on Mourinho. Um, and, and I wonder whether some of those stories about me, Mourinho being aloof is, you know, there isn't something in that, right? You know, if he's finding out that he has to be more Ferguson and less coach, more more about delegation because he often doesn't take the training sessions um, and he's finding that he's got a lot on his plate because United haven't restructured. They've rebuilt within the current structure. Um, and it's uh, it's it's either genius because United are bucking some kind of trend, which isn't necessarily you know the one that's going to work for United, or it's antiquated, um, and the club hasn't moved it with the times because there really isn't anyone in the senior hierarchy of the club that has any real experience in football. And and where they have moved with the time is the. Uh the kind of social media, the, uh, the what's it called, the sponsorships and all that kind of stuff. You've got uh, Richard Arnold at the um, at some conference uh, to do with this kind of stuff, saying that United are as big as religion when it comes to social media interaction. <laughs> You're like, yep, this is great. This is what we're concentrating on uh, in terms of the structures at the club. Uh, Yes, yeah, still quoting that very flawed Kantar study uh, from a few years ago, which said that United had 659 million followers. And the methodology, when you dig into it, was basically, does anyone recognise the name Manchester United? So they included people who hate Manchester United in that list of followers because it's about brand recognition. So you can sell it to sponsors around the world rather than about actual supporters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so th- this is interesting, but I think that, you know, if you're going to use the Ferguson demagogue <laughs> model, then you have to... Em- 
you that demagogue with sufficient power to do the job and and be much more patient with them you have to you have to tolerate the first team wobbling and I think, mm. but the problem is you can't invest the kind of money United have invested in their first team in the last few years. And people people just won't tolerate it wobbling under those circumstances because it looks so ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, interesting use of the words demagogue and tolerate in that sentence there, Paul. Yeah, right. Not not a good week for the, that combination. Right. Absolutely not. Anyway, um, I think, can we make a no more references packed because I'm so depressed. It's so horrible. Give people the next half an hour off thinking about that. Yeah, okay. Well, let's make this podcast great again and uh, talk about (laughs) United's next game, which is Feyenoord. Um, Revenge on the cards or something like that. Um, Question for you. Uh, A, will United players give a f***? Or B, will they give absolutely no f*** whatsoever? Hmm. I don't know. We'd be better off out of that competition, won't we? You know, this to me, like, losing this game would obviously be horrible while it was happening, but afterwards it would feel good to know that the Europa League adventure is over. I mean, I, I suppose after this game, there's the Zoria game away, and then there's a break anyway. But I just think the Europa League is getting in the way of our consistency. It's a kind of unnecessary distraction and and it's just not doing the team any good to play a bunch of matches they don't care about. I mean, I suppose the fact that it's at home and you look how good we were against Fenerbahce at home, you know, obviously they weren't much cop in terms of opposition. So, but you'd think, I don't know, is there, are there going to be people there like they were for Fenerbahce or was that just because Robin Van Persie was coming home? I'm sure there'll be some people there. I mean... It's not as if anyone really gives a toss about this one, but uh, um, there's uh, we've got a decent crowd there for Fenerbahce, so I'm sure I'm sure there will. Also, I mean, um, you know, a couple other things to factor into this: uh, Feyenoord are not in great form um, coming into this game. Lost at the weekend to go ahead Eagles, a very poor draw with Zoya, and they were pretty bad in that one. Drew the weekend before that against Heron Veen, um, so. You know, they're coming into this game uh, not in any great shakes. United are at home. Big decision for Mourinho, isn't it? It's, you know, a, a few days after the Arsenal game. Does he make a lot of changes, risk the competition, you know, risk any momentum that United might have built up having beaten Arsenal or risk his reputation having lost heavily to Arsenal by losing again, you know, by making a load of changes? Does he really go for it and play a strong side? It's, uh, it's, uh, I think there's a bit of a dilemma there for United. And um, I, I'd be tempted if if what you're saying is true, that, you know, really it's a, it's a pain in the arse, this competition, and breaks up the momentum and it definitely ruins the training schedule, that it would not be sensible just to play a whole bunch of kids and really put the statement out there that we don't care about this competition. But it's almost like at this point, can he really do that? Having played relatively strong sides all the way through and not, not totally strong. I keep making the point that he played Sergio Romero in one of these games, which proves he doesn't care. Um, but the, 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 he has played a relatively strong sides. Fenerbahce, he clearly put a side out that he thought would win that game. Um, and so uh, away from home, I mean. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's like at this point, does it, if you do that, you're saying, okay, we are actually officially giving up on this competition. I mean, it's not. It's not an unreasonable thing to do. It's not. It's not a competition that. I mean, the only thing is, of course, I think what, one of the things he said was that it changes slightly given that the race for fourth place is looking so tight already. Because winning the Europa League is you know, as a route to the Champions League. But just, and I wonder, you wonder whether, like, when it comes to knockout football, will that focus their minds a bit? Will they, will they be better in the knockout stages because they're actually kind of consistently trying in a way they haven't during this period? But perhaps, yeah. I mean, look, there are no guarantees that United win this competition, even if we manage to get through. This is, you know, there are loads of great quality sides in this, in this tournament, uh, and you couldn't even say United was anywhere near the best side in the tournament. Uh, certainly not on current performances. Um, uh, let alone, you know, could guarantee that they had the luck to get through four knockout rounds. I mean, yeah. Um, so you know, if United want to be in the Champions League next season, it's going to create, it's going to mean some consistency in the Premier League. Full stop. You can't be betting on the Europa League to get there. Um, and so then, Europa League, do United care enough to give it a real shot or not? 
and that's the decision to make. Halfway house just seems pointless to me. Um, I guess Ibrahimovic will play um, because he'll be back for that one. Um, you wonder who's going to be playing in terms of players coming back from injuries and stuff before the uh, before the, the the weird doubleheader against West Ham and two home games against West Ham in three days uh, in the following week. It's going to be a, yeah. a good week for previews. Yeah. That, uh, that one. Um, for, uh, for yeah, us. yeah. <laughs> Look, well, we'll just we'll just record. 10 minutes on, you know, versus West Ham. We'll just loop it. <laughs> yes. Um, be fine. No one will know the difference anyway. Actually, you know what we forgot when we were talking about um, defenders? Phil Jones is back, of course. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah, um, he was decent against Swansea. He was. De- he, he, was yeah. he was. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about him having been injured training this week. There's no one training. Everyone's away. Phil Jones could still get injured. Um, very likely, we'll of course we'll record another podcast uh, before the final game because we'll record one after Arsenal. Um, but we won't do uh, an in-depth preview. We just wanted to bolt that onto this game um, because onto this show because otherwise we would have had nothing to talk about. Um, but one of the things we have got to talk about is rank cast questions, of which there are loads. Should we just get for as many of them as we can? Go for it. All right. Uh, what will be the centre-back pairing against Arsenal, asks at Sire Chin. Surely starting blind at centre-back will be a disaster. Well, it's not always a disaster. It's quite often really good. It's either really good or a disaster normally. Yeah. Uh, it's the uh, it's the disasters that uh, give me the shivers, to be honest. Um, even if they're not that frequent, they, they definitely happen. Uh, I, I don't know. Um I guess if I was really betting on this, I'd say Rojo and Blind, probably. Um, maybe Blind and Jones. Maybe. At Lucas underscore M United says, should we give up on Memphis yet? Well, it appears the club have already. I just don't think there's a route to the first team. I think that's what I keep saying every time this subject comes up in our Twitter questions. Yeah. Well, clearly there isn't because Mourinho's not giving him any time in the first team. So there's no route to the first team. Um, It's not as if he can put in a great performance coming on for two minutes or something like that. Um, I think he's out of here. It's a real shame because the lad has way more talent than some give him credit for. I mean, I've seen comments along the lines of he's not Premier League quality. This is nonsense. He's definitely going to make it at a high level. Um, he needs a new he needs a new start in order to find some confidence. And I think then what we saw when he was with PSV, which is you know a thirty goal season from a winger, will come to the fore. I'm sure. Yeah, I, I mm, that thirty goal season though. When you look at those goals, there was some terrible defending for those goals. Um, but yeah, obviously you still have to score them, don't you? Um, who gets more flack from the press, asks at Scott underscore Arthur, Mourinho or Corbin? <laughs> at least one of them deserves it. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, at United789 says, uh, Angel Gomez scored again. That's not a question, but I want to hear you talk about how exciting he is again. That kid. He's got some techers. <laughs> talk about wow, the, 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 the skills he's got, just close control, tricks, flicks, uh, Short and long-range passing, mostly short. Uh, he sort of glides across the pitch, scores goals from all sorts of angles. He's going to be hell of a player, isn't he? Is it? Is it too early to get too excited about him? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is because he's 16 and that is just... I mean, he's 16 and only just 16 as well. August, he turned 16. He was and he's born about in the four year, foot tall. Yeah, born in the year... Two, I don't think the fact that he's four foot tall matters at all uh, in, in the new world. I don't think that matters too much anymore. We had a question as well, which I can't find, about whether there's any chance we'll see him in the first team this year and there is absolutely no chance a tiny 16-year-old is getting into a Jose Mourinho first team. Um, but no, I mean, it is too early to get super excited about him because we also don't know how well he's going to handle being the next big thing at Man United, which is a huge challenge, isn't it? Well, it certainly is. And, and actually, United do have a plan for this kind of thing. So they will have a roadmap already laid out, which they believe is sensible for um, getting Gomez into the, the first team. right? And it will be he's not played much reserve team football yet. So um, it will be some period of that. They may be thinking about alone in years to come, and then we'll see. And it's all about his development. It's a really interesting time, actually, because in a way, like 
it, you'd want to kind of promote five kids from the under-18s to the reserve team at once because I'm pretty sure if they just played each other, the under-18s would batter the reserves at the moment. Um, well, certainly on form they would anyway. Um, so I don't know. You always wonder whether it's not a step down, obviously, um, but it would be quite a culture shock, I suspect, for Gomez to go into the, the reserves because there just isn't the talent around at that level that there is at under-18. Um, in fact, at what Dever says, how do you rate the current crop of under 18s? Anyone besides Gomez, you tip for the future. Um, I would just say, uh, have a listen to our episode from a couple of weeks ago where I uh, I spoke to Nick, um, Man United Youth, about um, players like Tahith Chong, uh, DJ Buffonge, Callum Gribbin. There's a, there's a lot of talent in those under 18s. Yeah, Gribbin's another one who looks just beautiful on the ball. Rumours that there is a, an, a lack of application. Yeah, not not just rumours, but you just watch him play and he literally, literally has a lack of application on the pitch. Um, Doran, I spoke to Doran about him for a Bleacher Report article and he was saying you could just see Warren Joyce literally screaming at Gribbin, like shouting at him to track back, you know. Because, um, yeah, he's definitely, Gribbin's a huge talent, but whether whether the the whole package is there remains to be seen yeah but. we'll see i mean gomez's story is interesting isn't it because you know he's obviously portuguese descent his uh his father was playing for salford city or something like that you know which is one of the reasons why they're in the area but he appears to have declared for england because he's played for england at schoolboy level i mean it doesn't mean anything right they could could uh could change his mind there but um you know, definitely an interesting non-conventional background there and um, very excited about him. Reasonably, I was more excited about Roshan Williams a while back, you know, very, very talented defender. Uh, not sure he's really made the progress yet, but, you know, we'll see. And, and yeah, many others. So that session you had with uh, Nick was very good. Yeah, I, I really like watching the way that uh, Gomez and Buffonge and Chong all link up together. There's, there's, a, there's real understanding in that team and they, they play a very nice brand of football. So, yeah, I mean, you know, they're all kids. They're, they really are children, these lads. This is this is a bunch of mostly 16-year-olds, a few 17-year-olds in the mix. It's a very young side uh, and there's a lot of excitement around them and rightly so, but they've got a, a very long way to go yet. Uh, at Consor says, Luke Shaw greater than Jose Mourinho, am I right? <laughs> no, no. No, Jose Mourinho is more important to our future than Luke Shaw, sadly. Yes, but it, but it does bring up a question, this one. So, McTarian, Memphis, Shaw, Smalling, Schweinsteiger. I mean, there's probably more, right? Um, you, could, you could probably add um, Morgan Schneiderlin into that list as well, of players yeah. that cost a hell of a lot of money <laughs> and that Mourinho is basically going to boot out of the club. Just how many thirty million pound players can you kick out before someone upstairs goes? Uh, uh, hang on a minute, it's yeah. a bit cheaper to sack the manager. <laughs> That's yep. I mean, this is what you get when you become a normal club with too much money. This is what you get when you have a turnover of managers because the new manager comes in and he wants some of his boys in, and they cost thirty million a pop nowadays, at the kind of bare minimum. But yeah, I mean, Schneidlin, Memphis, Mkhitaryan, and Shaw. <laughs> just those four alone the the numbers are staggering i mean bastian schweinsteiger's wages for this season so far you know could feed a small country and and we're just like he's just wasting away yeah i'm talking to wages um analysis out this week that puts united as the uh the best paying club on the planet at the moment not performing like it. No, but of course, uh, the Soconomics argument is always that wages is the the best measure of success, isn't it? The the more wages you pay, the more likely you are to be successful. Yeah, I'm not it, sure that's, it, that's it doesn't work in one, that one, one, it, yeah, one to one. It doesn't work in that order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if only because yeah. Edward would love that. Oh, <laughs> they pay Rudy five hundred k a week. <laughs> Um, this is a question for me at underscore Taylor Ben says which United player is most suited to playing Alexander Hamilton I'm broadly obsessed with the musical Hamilton at the moment um, I think listen it's an obvious answer but I think we've got to go under Herrera I think he's got that kind of um, idealistic clean cut look uh, that would that would go a lot way. Although Hamilton was quite a quite, there's a kind of inner darkness there and, and the ponytail so maybe Zlatan I don't know one way or another. 
Um, I'd like to, talking of Ander Herrera, Andy Yanited says, I'd like to officially provoke a debate about whether Ander Herrera should be captain. I think he should, but does everyone? Obviously, everyone doesn't, because everyone doesn't think anything. Uh, I would be more than happy for Herrera to be the next club captain. It makes sense to me. I mean, he's certainly got the the leadership skills. He's inspirational. He's playing really well. He needs to be in the side every week. I guess so. Why not? Uh, and actually, we didn't talk about this during our preview. We kind of hinted around it. But at Osti Charlie said, what would your starting 11s be for the Arsenal game? So, De Gea. Well, I've got to uh, disagree da- with you there. <laughs> it's, it's just a way of buying time. It's like saying, um, uh, De Gea, Damian... Mm, I suppose Rocco Blint, sure, assuming uh, sure is fit. Herrera, Pogba, um, Mata, Mkhitaryan, Martial, Rashford. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'd estimate a zero, a zero percent chance of that being the actual starting lineup. Yes, I, I, I would like to see an attacking lineup of that nature. Um, I, I think there is zero chance of Mkhitaryan starting. Uh, none at all. Fellaini will start. He'll play definitely. Um, which probably means, so. yeah, probably means Pogba push forward and matter in one of the wide areas uh, if Rashford plays uh, up front. Uh, if so, hold on, it, and then that would be Martial, Martial left. More likely, if Rooney's fit, Rooney plays up front. Rashford is left. Well, so, are you saying Pogba and oh, I'm saying okay. Herrera so and Fellaini thought... in the centre of midfield? Right, Pogba right, right. moves forward. Okay. Matter right, Mas- uh, Rashford left, Rooney yeah. up front. Uh, okay. Is what I oh, that's ugly, think is most likely. So I think what I think might happen is uh, matter on the right, um, Martial or even Rooney on the left, or Rashford, and then Rooney or Rashford up front, and then uh, Carrick, Pogba, Herrera as a midfield three. I think that makes that makes good sense. I think that makes more sense than playing Fellaini, but. You know, everyone flipped out at the starting eleven against Swansea and we look like a vaguely competent football team. So, you know, who knows? Uh, Who will fall over Van Gaal style first, asks at H underscore A underscore M28. Mourinho or Phil Jones, brackets followed by long-term injury. Yeah, nice. (laughs) I quite like it if Mourinho did a little lie down on the touchline. Uh, at Red Devil 09 says, Will Marcus Rashford score a brace? Yes or yes? No. He's um he's like he's not in very good form, is he, Marcus Rashford? Well I mean, can can you say he's not in good form when he's barely played in his proper position? Uh, yes, I think he can, because I think he's looked a bit short on confidence and he's looked like he's really struggled to impact games from those that not quite his position I'm not I'm not saying that means he's bad or anything it just means I I think he was playing better in that out of position role earlier in the season than he has in the last few games all right (laughs) I mean maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong that's just the, the way it's looked to me um at Haddam66 says since Fellaini will obviously start my question is what minute of the game will he get booked in 67th maybe that's a bit late actually no i think you see you know, he's gonna he's gonna put a reducer in early fellaini for sure i think the the real question is given that he's going to get booked between somewhere between zero and you know nine minutes uh which one of arsenal's diddy men does he take out <laughs> santi cazola i worry about santi cazola in this setting he might take on jacker though mightn't he like, just say, oh, I think you're the hard man. I am the hard man. Look, these are my hard elbows. Um, United's build-up under Louis van Gaal last season was glacial, says at Mark underscore E underscore F. Which natural occurrence describes United this season? I'd say, like, spring showers or something. Like, really unpredictable, and they could be sudden. There's a sudden downpour of attacking football, and then it sort of goes back to a kind of flat, slightly dull climate conditions. Yeah. It's more like aftershocks. So we're still suffering from David Moyes. There's an earthquake running through Old Trafford. At a 3D fan underscore MUFC says, do you think mortal humans will still live if Jose announces a team comprising Mkhitaryan, Mata, Martial and Rashford? (laughs) I I don't want to speculate on global events any further. I don't know how... Yeah, that would definitely be pretty seismic if it ever happened. 
Um, what do you think, asks at Selwan Elfara, something I've heard mentioned in a few places recently, of playing a 4-4-2 diamond formation with Carrick holding, Pogba on the left and Herrera on the right? Obviously not against Arsenal because of their focus on midfield, but just in general. So a diamond, so Pogba left, Herrera right, Carrick holding, I guess matter up at the, the point of that diamond. Not, not a lot of width there, is there? No, and it's not far off uh, some of the performances that United have put in this season. Some of the yeah, the shape, anyway. Um, yeah, but you wouldn't you wouldn't have the three attackers, would you? No, no, no. And and without that width, United would really have to push fullbacks forward. Uh, kind of depends on whether Jose believes in any of our attacking fullbacks anymore. Uh, at Richley two two o two says thoughts on using Martial up top instead of Rashford. Well, look, I think he's a great number nine, or at least has the potential to be a great number nine. Uh, we haven't seen him there for quite a long time, have we? And it's really sad. And, you know, you, we listed all the players that Mourinho's burning through. The suspicion that he's not exactly seeing eye to eye with Martial is hard to shake, isn't it? And that one, that one would be almost more than any of the rest of them. That one would be the one that would get me a bit, I have to say, because he was unbelievable last season. And you just can't give up on a player like that. And that's where... You, if if the worst case scenario happens with him, that's where you say it's actually really costly to have appointed a manager who isn't doesn't have a good reputation at bringing young stars through. Um, that that becomes very costly then if you've built a squad full of young stars. Well, quite, and um, I mean it's mentioned the six players I mean discount Schweinsteiger I guess maybe discount Schneiderlin because he's just not good enough really um there's a hell of a lot being burned but if he starts burning the young players then um yeah that's it could be very damaging I mean he basically would have to recruit better players um and likely mature players as well but he recruited a mature player in Mkhitaryan didn't like him very much um so there's no guarantee I mean like the fact is that over the last three years, United have generally not recruited players who are better than the players they let go. Right? I mean, you know, it's hard to it's hard to make the argument, and they have done certain exceptions, uh, of course. Um, but otherwise, United's performances would have increased significantly, and they haven't. So, how do you mean in terms of? Do you mean in terms of players that they've? That- not that they've let go as in they've sold, but like players that have kind of moved, like Rio Ferdinand, Nemanja Vidic, Paul Scholes, those kind of players. Sure, and the ones they've sold as well. Okay. I mean, you know, not all of them. Clearly some of the players that were sold were not good. Um, but some of them, the performances of the players that have come in have not been better than the performances of some of the players that were sold. And and I completely agree with that. But I think if you exclude Angel de Maria, because that was a weird freak of, you know, a freak occurrence in a way, I think if you look at players like Nani and Hernandez and Welbeck, um, that, that kind of tier of player that's been sold, you have to factor in Ferguson to all of this. Because that isn't just about... Because you could you could say that, you know, we, we have replaced them with, with players who had the kind of raw ability to be better players or whatever already at that stage as better players. But just, you know, the, there hasn't been that galvanising influence to get the best out of the playing staff. Uh, true. Um, at Tetrunk says, this fixture is now a long way from the days of Keane versus Vieira. Do you think that both sides now lack a proper leader? Yeah, as, as discussed, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not obvious how many leaders there are within the United side. I mean, pe- people talk, and in fact, Ander Herrera talked about uh, Rooney's leadership qualities in that interview, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, Smalling was given the uh, captain's armband. I can't help but feel Smalling is just a bit dense. I, and that mm-hmm. it might be... Confirmation bias dating back to that brain dead red card he got a couple of years ago. Um, but I can't help feeling that about Smalling sometimes. Um, and Herrera's intelligent and articulate and shows many leadership qualities, but beyond that, not too many. I mean, you know, do we call Ibrahimovic a leader? I mean, he's sort of by deed and history, I suppose. Pogba as well has some of that to him. He's a huge character. People look up to him and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know whether he's established enough in the squad or the team and he's still trying to find his own game, isn't he, to mm, yeah. to really be a, a leader yet. But, I mean, it, you could say that it's been a theme running through the last three years. Mm. And And even back before that, in a way, we've been bemoaning... 
you know, you know, Manchester United never replaced Roy Keane. It's like, and now they're never, obviously, never going to because it's that was all a very long time ago now. But you know, in a way, that's because it's impossible because I don't know that there's a leader in world football to compare with Roy Keane now. Um, but yeah, so because it's a very different world we live in. Um, but yeah, obviously, I think I think, and it's extremely clear that Arsenal have lacked on pitch leadership for a decade. All right, last last question. Um, was Mourinho's specialist in failure comment uh, about Arsene Wenger a bit too much? Will it come back to haunt him? Asks at Shiv Awake. No, I mean, he's lost to Wenger since then anyway. But um, uh, no, I thought it was quite funny. <laughs> and now I'm just, um, I've just got to people with pictures of their mugs on the, on the hashtag rank cast. So that's making me happy. Oh, one, one last question, actually. At C Armband, if we played Pogba and Evra singing Marvin Gaye on big screens across the globe, would world peace break out? Um, and if you don't know what that's uh, a reference uh, a reference to um, it is a video where um, uh, Patrice Evra sings "Let's Get It On" to the French national jersey, and then Pogba walks in and they sing together, and it's the best. It's the best. It's the- is it better than the dancing panda? Uh, I, in fact, you asked you asked me that question literally on the day before I do my definitive ranking of Patrice Evra's Instagram videos, which I'm writing for Bleacher Report tomorrow. I pitched that. They didn't. Nobody asked me to do that. I did that off my own back because I think that is good internet content. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's number one. I think the dancing panda might be number one. I think the actual number one might just be the time when uh, Paul Pogba's like, so camera's on Pogba and he's going, let's go and see what Uncle Pat is up to. And he walks into the bedroom and Patrice Evra's just on his bed reading a book about mindfulness and he just looks at the camera and goes, I love this game. <laughs> Those two are the best. I cannot wait till Patrice Evra's on United's coaching staff. Uh, it would be a good moment. Let's hope so. And to be honest, I'd have him a left back at the moment. Uh, he's old enough that Mourinho might tolerate him anyway. Uh, so I think that'll do, won't it? That'll, that, we can call that a show. We've managed to get an hour of content out of that almost. We have droned on for hours and hours and hours and barely, <laughs> barely mentioned the election at all. Oh, I thought we were going to get to the end of the show without mentioning it. Um, let's uh, make predictions. That's what we do on this show. Bad predictions. Yes, I think there's an 87.5% chance that <laughs> United will beat Arsenal. <laughs> One nil. Well, I'm more five thirty-eight on this. I reckon it's about a sixty-five percent chance. Um, no, I'm I'm going to pre- things. I kind of want to predict a draw, but I feel like that's a bit ridiculous because I think if United score first, that in fact that's what I'm going to say. I know it's not a good prediction, but I'm going to say if United score first, they win. If Arsenal score first, they win, and it's that it's that simple. Um, How's that fence feeling? Sore? <laughs> no, no, it's it's perfect. It feels like the only sensible prediction. Five nil, Man United. There you go. Um, and then uh, let's do our final prediction uh, in the next pod, shall we? Uh, sure. Okay. Um, we can push it off. I think United are going to lose against Feyenoord, but I'll, I'll see if I change my mind after the Arsenal game. <laughs> All right. Wicked. Um, we'll see you in a few days. Will do. <laughs>